Welcome to What's So Funny, a comedy podcast where we talk about some of the most influential and controversial comedians from the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. Sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh. Here's your host, Dave Swanson. Hi, welcome back to What's So Funny. I'm your host, Dave Schwenson, and I have two good friends joining me today. Kelly Thulis. Hello. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Dave. And Tom McGallis. Wow. That, I can't top Kelly's hello. I practiced it. I practiced. Thank you. Thank you for noticing. Do you say hello or hi? Well, how do you guys, when people say, you know, hey, do you go hey or hi? Hello. I go, basically, if I see you coming, you just say that. I go, leave me alone. Oh, see that? There it is. Oh, no. Dave doesn't like Greek people, Kelly. Is that it? <laughs> not all. It's not all Greeks, Tom. Let's give you a hint here. <laughs> no, I'm kidding you. Come on. It's a comedy show. We're going to laugh. Right. We're going to have fun. Matter of fact, we're going to laugh and have fun today because we're talking about David Steinberg. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Here we are. Mm-hmm. How many people actually remember David Steinberg as a stand-up comedian? He's well-known now as a director, but... Yeah. He was doing stand-up comedy back in the uh, 60s and 70s, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Pretty cool, man. He's another one of those Canadian guys that came down. Yes. Do you know he's one, he is the first Canadian comedian to come down and break through? Did you know that? No, I, I didn't know that. I heard he was the first Canadian. Period. The first Canadian ever. Yeah, the ever. first ever. It was ever pretty born. impressive. <laughs> yeah. Here's what I want to do right now. I'm going to pull out a map of Canada, and Tom, you point out where Winnipeg, Manitoba is. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be wrong. Right off the bat, I'm telling you I'm going to be wrong, because I don't know. about that. Yeah. I don't know. Where is it? Don't ask me. I mean, it's cold. It's, Kelly? You know. Nope. Uh-uh. Nope. Couldn't tell you. Jeez, we. Stink. All right, we're gonna get we're gonna get a lot of emails after this show airs. I'm I'm are sure. All of our Canadian fans are gonna be yes. real real angry. I hear it's lovely where you're at. I do hear it is beautiful, but you know he broke through and then opened kind of the comedian floodgates after that. You know with uh, the Second City guys and uh, you know Martin Short, all those guys. Mm-hmm. That didn't was Martin Short out of Canada? He was Canadian. Yeah, yes, he yeah. was. Yeah, I think uh, the Second City, but you know he has a very interesting background. David Steinberg. And and I really want to talk about that because it it will also involve, as we continue this discussion, the Smothers Brothers being fired from the network. Mm -hmm. David Steinberg had a lot to do with that. Matter of fact, he he accepts full responsibility for that. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but I want to get back to to how this guy really got started in comedy because I don't think anyone with his background, anyone saw this coming. I mean, he was, his dad was a rabbi. I mean, I think he was born in Eastern Europe uh, before moving to Canada. And I think... David Steinberg originally was was going to become a rabbi. He he studied yes. theology and yeah. he went to Israel. Mm. And well, that's where Israel. Makes he went sense. to a university in Chicago, and that's why he came over here. It wasn't for comedy. He mm-hmm. just happened to come out at the same time that Second City was really hitting its its stride. Well, he transferred to Chicago, University of Chicago, because he was studying English literature. I think at that time mm-hmm. he had given up the rabbi idea. He was mm-hmm. studying English, and yes, yeah, somebody took him. Oh, I wish I could remember. I I, I thought I, this was uh, someone famous, but I'm not sure. But he had seen Lenny Bruce first. But that's what I'm going to say. He went to see Lenny Bruce. Right. And he's like, oh, my gosh, you know, <laughs> he loved it. It's interesting, guys, because I think he says, you know, I didn't laugh much, but I knew but I knew that there was something special going on there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, was a, it was a new brand of comedy, way different from that sort of borscht belt or the, uh, the old comics, what they were doing a generation or a decade before. 
Yeah. And now all of a sudden, here's a new type of storytelling comedy, which I think uh, inspired him. Yeah, it was like attitude and, and what he was talking about. But I, I think uh, if I remember this correctly, Lenny Bruce was playing someplace maybe for six nights, and David Steinberg went all six nights. It was or weeks. Or it was six from weeks. Weeks, yeah. He went. He went every single night. All it was five weeks straight, and he went every single night. He was just so you know hooked on on his performance. But he he didn't really uh, didn't know what he was going to do at that point. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I heard some 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 in his documentary, I believe, or something where he or in one of the talk shows that he did, one of the many, which are really great to listen to. He's he was great on talk shows. He because he was a storyteller. But he said he had no idea what he was going to do. I, I I had no. I just kind of fell into this thing, this sort of improv stuff and this comedy because I you know and well, it he clicked. went to. See, Second City in Chicago, which yeah. is really famous, you know, groundbreaking training ground for improvisational comedy. He said he went to a show at Second City, and as he sat there, he kept thinking, I could do this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could yeah. do this. Yeah. And uh, he started taking classes at Second City, and uh, he was there for a few years. About four years he was performing four years? with them. Oh, four mm-hmm. years. But right before that, he did a little comedy act called Kaddish and Steinberg. Right, so he, I think he did a little comedy act himself right before that. And Second City, uh, they, I think they saw him and invited him to join. Yeah, so he, had, I think he was out there maybe in the clubs in Chicago, uh, after maybe near the University of Chicago, and he was doing a little performance. And they said, hey, we like this guy. <laughs> you know, and he probably said, hey, well, I've been following you guys. I've watched you yeah. for six weeks. Yeah. I'm obsessed. Yeah, I'd like to join. I'm obsessed. Well, you know, and the thing is, too, he didn't, uh, the first couple of years he was in Second City, I don't think he was making that great of progress, like some of the others as far as performing. Mm, and they, interesting. he was trying to do different characters and doing different things. And I think finally, the one of the instructors or whoever pulled him aside and said, you know, what is it about you? And this is what, you know, this is what I think makes great comedians. What is it about yourself, your personality? What's your comedy voice? What can you share with an audience that you can build a relationship with them? And they said that to him. And he says, well, he studied theology in Israel, and his father mm-hmm. was a rabbi. And he said, well, you should touch on that, because he hadn't at all. He mm-hmm. hadn't at all. They said, you should yeah. touch on that. So he started improvising these sermons. That's Based where it on started. these characters wow. in the Old Testament. Yeah, he started doing that at Second City. He said he was kind of like, you know, almost offended when the instructor had, had told him to do that because he was like, you know, I, I'm so removed from that past. And he was like, I was a beatnik. Like, I had this, like, pride on, on being this comedian. And you want me to, like, go back and, and dig up this, you know, past life of his. And then, but once he started doing it, it was it changed everything for him. Yeah. It was just wildly successful. I mean, nobody had really been doing anything like that before. Well, that's when he started getting on stage, I think, really at Second City. Because, you know, you have to audition and be part of that performing troupe to get on stage. Otherwise, you know, you're a yeah. you're standby. You stay in the, you stay in the classes. Stay in the classrooms. Over, huh? and, yeah. And uh, it really started making him, you know, a, a stand-up comedian. And it wasn't just his sermons. I mean, that was a big part of what he did. But, you know, he also did these characters. Now, I don't know. I remember I, I, I went on, I had to watch some David Steinberg because it's been a while since I've seen him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did say, I think one of the reviewers called him almost a Charlie Chaplin type of character. Um, the way he walked off stage said was very Chaplin-esque. Mm. <laughs> they, the interviewer asked him, said Chaplin-esque? He goes, yeah, he says, but then it really turned into who he was and he was more Groucho-esque is what yeah. he called himself. 
And um, I'm, a, <laughs> we, I'm a big fan of Groucho Marx and yeah. the Marx Brothers. We should do a show on them sometime. But he was also a huge fan of Groucho Marx. And you yeah. can see this in his characters. And he got to uh, interview him later. Do these oh, he had lunch with him every Tuesday. That's amazing. For years. So that was like his meeting his idol. And, wow, and becoming and, friends yeah. with him. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that's that's, that's way before uh, that was. I think in the seventies because Groucho was already in his eighties at that time. I think it was Groucho Marx, George Burns, and Jack Benny and David Steinberg had lunch every Tuesday together in that's Hollywood. Amazing. He was the young guy. He was like the baby of the group. He talked about that a lot and just how. These guys, every once in a while, Groucho would sit there with his cigar and everything. He was 80-some years old. Every once in a while, he'd come out with a real zinger. You know, they called him, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not sure exactly who called him Chaplin or Groucho, but he also had that New York Times review after his bitter end um, work in 1969. And he got a review from the New York Times, called him a cross between Lenny Bruce and Woody Allen. Imagine that. Mm, it's wow. like, oh, yeah, right? It, you know, <laughs> the, the New York Times, there. yeah, saying that about you. That's had to have inflated his head a little bit. Like, wow, I'm really good at this. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he really took off after that. And again, I, I, you know, that baby boomer generation, when they were in college, uh, he did all those shows. I mean, like even the rock concerts. So they had a show called, um, I think it was called In Concert or something. I don't remember mm-hmm. what it was called. Don Kirshner's Rock Concert. And they would have all the bands at the time. And yeah. David Steinberg. And George Carlin would be on that too. Carlin and Richard Pryor. Those were the young comedians at that time who were really pushing the envelope and doing things. And they would bring David Steinberg on to do his sermons. And, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. he would talk about these characters. What was that? The Mid- Midnight Express? What was that Midnight called? Special. Midnight Special. That's the Midnight that's, Special. I, that's I saw it. some clips from that. Pretty interesting. Yeah, because he was yeah. doing the sermons and... and uh, that that was a signature piece, obviously, yes. for him. Like um, as you were saying, guys, it, it kind of fused his, you know, brought the past now and his his real personality, and only he could do that. I mean, it yeah. was, a, you know, to your point, Dave, about finding something that's personal about you. I, I think that's what I like about David Steinberg a lot. He uh, seems like an every guy in many ways, you know, like his, yeah. but he's conversational. His story very easy on camera, very, you know conversational and um, like an every guy, but also, um, you know, I think accessible. He wasn't like screaming comedian or screaming material. No. It, it felt like he was telling stories. He knew this Old Testament. He knew it forwards and backwards. And he knew all the characters, all the people, personalities in it. And so his act would be to ask the audience to name an Old Testament, you know, religious figure. Yeah, no, Moses, Noah, Moses, toss them out. Jonah, <laughs> yeah, Noah, all these people. And he would do a sermon based on them. And, you know, God, of course, was the almighty. And But he really made all this funny. And this is what got him and the Smothers Brothers into trouble. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, back then, if you did anything about religion and comedy... You were going to get letters, and you were going mm-hmm. to get, and I think I think that's what uh, Tommy Smothers said. You know, he goes, "Come here, I want to show you. Come in this back room here. Look, look at all these bags." And he goes, "Like, what are those?" He goes, "That's bags of mail. That's hate all mail. your hate, hate mail, mail from you. <laughs> that's all your hate mail, buddy." David Sandberg said in an interview, he goes, "If you want to make people mad, he goes, you do something religious and you make it funny. He goes, if you can be funny about religious topics, you will make people angry." And, and it was and the times that. too. Yeah. That was yes. back then. Now it doesn't it seem very tame now. If you listen to those sermons, there there's nothing really, you know, except making a gesture 
you know, of testicle gesture that he did. I mean, other than that, it's like, well, you know, it's tame. It's it's like really not mm -hmm. offensive. But you're right, Dave. Back, it was the times. Yeah, you, because you, know. you look back on the ones who were offensive at the time. I mean, Lenny Bruce, okay, George Carlin, Richard Pryor. It's pretty tame. Now, it, you know, when you compare it to what you've been hearing lately, nowadays, what you can hear on the radio and in comedy clubs and on cable television and everything. Podcasts. Um, podcasts. <laughs> Mad Magazine. Advertising mascots. B-movie posters. And cartoons. Oh, yeah, can't forget cartoons. If you get the funky connection that ties these pop culture gems together, you'll dig two designers walk into a bar. See, we're a couple of creatively curious pals living between the bookends of grand museums and dive bars. Hey, you know the place, the sweet spot where highbrow and lowbrow become drinking buddies. So join our barroom chats as we talk influential work and uncover stories of how the familiar became iconic. Think behind the music for the stuff we love. Check out our website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. And listen wherever you get your podcasts or visit evergreenpodcasts.com. I've seen an interview with uh, David Steinberg. He just laughs. He says, you know, I look back at those old sermons and how tame they really are. But yeah. in the late 1960s, they were so he says, you did that on television. He said, especially he said the Baptists. <laughs> he said all these. He said the very. He said just. And when Tommy Smothers showed him that room, it was just filled with hate mail. I mean, he says the most vile things and death threats, and they hate him. You don't talk like that on television. Yeah. So of course, what did he and Tommy Smothers do? More. They did it again. Now here's what kind of blows my mind a little bit: that you have David Steinberg now on the Smothers Brothers, the late '60s. When did they get canceled? '69, I think. Yeah, the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. Very it was top, a top five show. I mean, it was right yeah. at the top of the ratings. I thought it was like number one, isn't it? Like number one, beating Bonanza. Boom! Steinberg comes in with his sermon, kills it. <laughs> but but then, like 1972, they give him his own show on CBS. Right. Yeah, right. So what happened with those years? Did they did the executives leave? Did they forget that Steinberg brought down, or they, or maybe he was uh, like, hey, he did us a favor. We like Steinberg. Just like <laughs> anything else in, in the entertainment business, it's all about money and it's yeah. all about ratings. I'm sorry. And so uh, these guys, the Smothers Brothers, had great ratings. They even gave the Smothers Brothers another show. You know. CBS, CBS brought him back. Yes, while Tommy Smothers was suing CBS at the same time. He was suing That's them. That's mind-boggling. And they still gave him another show because they knew he was newsworthy. And they he would get viewers, so they're going to put... They don't care. They I'm don't sorry. Care. It's, it's show cash. business. Tom, you know this. It's yeah, show it's business. Yeah, it's business. It's what it is. But yeah, CBS, after that uh, uh, David Steinberg sermon aired on the Smothers Brothers show, I think that was in the fall of 1968, yeah. uh, the, the CBS executives called in... Tommy Smothers and said, look, we'll allow you to have David Steinberg on again as a guest, but he's not allowed to do a sermon. Again, you cannot do that. That just offended too many people. And uh, so that's what they did. They invited David Steinberg back just to be a, a guest. And he did some wonderful skits. I mean, there's some, he is very much to me like Groucho Marx. Um, mm -hmm. There's, there's a, I, I watched a skit he did with Sonny Bono from Sonny and Cher when they had yeah. their show. He was on all these variety shows at the time, but he plays a, he had this very famous character he played who was a, a psychiatrist. But oh he was, yeah, but he yeah. was crazy. He was crazy. Totally, totally nuts. Totally yeah. nuts. Yeah. And I talking to himself and talking. Yeah. It's yes. Just, it's oh, it's hysterical. Point the phrase booga booga. That's what that. Yes. Booga booga. Phrase booga. In the name of the album, uh, 1974, booga booga. It's all about that psychiatrist character and. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. You know, to me, it's so funny. And he's got the tails, the, like the tuxedo tails on, like Groucho Marx. He's yeah. got the spats on his shoes, like uh-huh. Groucho. You know, I mean, yeah, I, I'm watching right. this. Yeah. I'm going, this is Groucho Marx is what he's doing. And it's so, it's laugh out loud funny. And you can also really see the Second City um, method within his work for sure. I mean, he, he says Second City was just a huge, um, you know, inspiration for him it was his huge like it was his education on comedy and it really really influenced him and you can see that in his styles and in his characters Mm -hmm. um the second city method is is you don't write anything down you improv a sketch and then you just do it over and over and over again until you have it committed to memory and you're doing it in the sketch show Mm -hmm. so that's how you do it and that i mean you can really see that in in his his characters and his materials and I mean, in his album, he's pulling up audience members and, and, you know, just it's just wild. It's so much fun. And it's interesting because it was during a time where that was kind of considered stand up t- comedy, too. Like now I feel like we have a total separation between it's like your yeah. improv or your stand up. Right. Yes. And that, but back then it was like it was all just considered comedy. No matter how you did it, it was very, like we said, of the time, storytelling was just such a popular format. They had Lily Tomlin and Richard Pryor. Everyone was doing storytelling. And, you know, he developed it on stage, too, in front of an audience. That is so important because it's not like he's just sitting in a room typing up a script and going, I hope this is funny. (laughs) He was was going on stage every night, like these great comics, like George Mm -hmm. Carlin, like Richard Pryor. They were testing it out, learning it, doing it in front of an audience. They were failing and succeeding. And so by the time he did that character on television, it was hot. He knew it. I mean, that was, he could be that character. He was that crazy it's psychiatrist. It's funny that he's really not that well-known for his comedy anymore because, I mean, he, he appeared on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson 140 times. He's Bob Hope is the only one who's, yeah, done more. Yeah, he was the youngest person to ever guest host The Tonight Show for Johnny Carson. And he said that was also because of his Second City training. He was trained to improvise, and he... Mm. he said Johnny loved to have him on the show because he would set Johnny up for laughs. He played the straight man to Johnny Carson, so he would wow. set him up and Johnny could get these zingers, and Johnny loved him for that. So really, yeah. I think his um, talk show stuff is is my favorite. I mean, when I watch him on talk shows like Tom Snyder, he did something in 95 on the <clears throat> on that show, and he just he's just so... His storytelling, you could tell that the guy was destined to kind of go on to be a director. Because he likes scenes and stories and, and nuances. And, um, it, you know, it's kind of amazing to me that, you know, he's had a, a, a pretty good career in all those. In kind of, you know, the improv, the stand-up, and then directing. Because they are kind of different. As you mentioned, Kelly, uh, some people that are improv people aren't good stand-ups. Oh, yeah. Because you know, you're, you're all alone. You're all, <laughs> right. and, and, and conversely, you know, it's like... Uh, you know, if you're a great stand-up, you're a good stand-up, you might not work well with others, <laughs> you know? So, you know, and you might not become a good director because you're not able to work with other people like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't so know when he first started getting into directing, because he was a hot stand-up comic. I mean, again, 60s and 70s. And even that Smothers Brothers show, I like to keep bringing that up because it's just so amazing they did this. And he said Tommy Smothers, you know, he felt he was speaking for an entire generation. <laughs> he said it really, yeah. and Tommy admitted that late. We talked about, we had that show about the Smothers Brothers, and Tommy said he just became not funny. For about three years, he was not funny. Yeah. And David Steinberg said the same thing. It was all about a battle. It was the battle with the network heads. You know, it was the battle for his generation and stuff. So when they had him, again, CBS said he was allowed to invite David Steinberg back on to just be a, a guest mm-hmm. on the show, do skits, you know, skits and all that stuff. Yeah. And they did one. I think he might have done the psychiatrist on the Smothers Brothers show. And when he finished, Tommy says, hey, 
you feel like doing, you want to do another one of those sermons? Because they already oh, told man. CBS that you weren't allowed to do it. He said, sure, I can do that. Good. So they did it on the Smothers Brothers show. And that is the episode, folks, yeah. that has never been aired. Well, I know it's online somewhere, but he did it. And at that time, they, mm-hmm. they were really was... battling. CBS was battling that show. And they had to deliver the taped show for them to approve of. Uh, you know, they had the censors and everything else. Yeah. And Tommy was delayed in getting that one to them because he knew it was in there, I guess, something like that. But when he finally gave it to them and they saw the sermon was in there, they just said, we're not airing this. You're done. You're fired. That's it. Yeah. We've had enough. It. We got them. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what we they got said. Him. Yeah. CBS, we got them finally. We finally get <laughs> rid of these guys. <laughs> but, but David Steinberg came out of it just hot as whatever. I yeah. mean, he was like, he was the guy then on everybody's show. And like you said, they gave him his own television show. He's had yeah. a, a few of them. They used to do those summer replacement shows. You know, Glenn Campbell had one, and, and who else? Uh, yeah. All these other people I can't think now. Sonny and Cher, I think, started out that way. Tom Jones might have had one. I think even Johnny Cash. And didn't they give shows out to everybody? Well, they had, everybody had a variety show at that time. <laughs> you know, Donnie and Marie. Yeah, you know? and Carol Burnett. You know, I mean, all these were big shows. And... But a lot of times they would call it like a summer replacement. They give it like five or six weeks on the air. And if you built a following, then you could really get a, a real show. Test. They mm-hmm. tested um Yeah, so he had a sketch show. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was a couple summers after the Smothers Brothers were canceled. Yeah, because he did the, the psychiatrist bit in that. That was part of it when he was doing those okay. bits. That's what I saw. So I think that... Uh, and then he would sit with guests like James Kahn and, and kind of talk to them and... I think that was the next show. He had another show called Sit Down with David Steinberg. I think that's what that was called. Holy smokes. He's had shows, man. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I just, yeah, the psychiatrist, I just remember from, yeah, the whole Booga Booga thing was from the bits that from the first show. The guests he brought on the David Steinberg show were like the people from Second City in Canada. Okay. Like, you know, Martin Short, John Candy, those guys. Yeah. And that's what launched them. Then they started the Second City TV. Matter of fact, yeah. I think John Candy was a, a, a regular on the David Steinberg show and Second City TV at the same time. He was going from studio to studio doing these shows. I saw Joe Flaherty, you know. In, yes, in he was thing, one. And then later, Joe Flaherty and Candy were in uh, Going Berserk, a film that he directed. So mm-hmm. David Steinberg went on to direct those guys in uh, Going Berserk. And so he was dipping into the Canadian talent pool, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, his buddies, he, they were his buddies. Yeah, he opened the door, like you said in the beginning, Tom, about him being like the first Canadian to come down or whatever to do this. Um, but he opened the door for all those Second City guys who then yeah. went on to go into Chicago City Limits and yeah. they went on to Saturday Night Live and SCTV. You know, they, mm-hmm. they really came down through David Steinberg. It was a different vibe, you know, when you watch Second City, the television with Eugene... Uh, and Love Joe you. Flaherty and John Candy, they had no laugh tracks. There was a, there was definitely a style that was developing a little differently than American comedy. Don't you guys see? Kind of, yeah. there was this oh, feeling yeah. of, of, maybe it's because they're sort of the, you know, oh sorry, that whole culture of like, oh we're saying, you know, we're, we're not, we're oh we're apologizing, we're not America, oh sorry, you know, they say that a lot. And be and, careful what you say here, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's true though. It's like you know produces some really good comedians. We were talking about guys like in Ohio as well, that where it's kind of like the middle of the states. It's developed some real good comedic yeah. people. And maybe that's the same thing as going in Canada, where you kind of feel like, well, I'm not New York. I'm not Los Angeles. We're, we've got to make ourselves laugh. I, I think it's the cold. I think the, oh, cold, the cold brings the, the It funny. all comes down to weather. Yeah. Wait a minute, they always said really it was crazy it from the heat. Maybe, huh? I don't know. It's funny. The heat, the cold. 
I've got the always reliable um, Wikipedia pulled up. 2005, 2007 is when he did sit-down comedy with David Steinberg. Kelly, can you find on there, when did he start directing? You know, I mean, because he did move away from stand-up comedy and mm-hmm. really into, I mean, he directed episodes of, what, Seinfeld and Friends and Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's yeah, still directing. Mad About You. He directed it. He played a part. Mm-hmm, which is going back to his roots. He did a, a sermon at a funeral. At a funeral. Wow. Yeah. I would like to see that. I, I got to look for that. Eternity was his first feature, and that was in 81. And then his first TV show was The Twilight Zone in 85. So in the 80s, he probably did stand up through the 70s, mm-hmm. then kind of said, well, this isn't really, you know, I've peaked. You know, I think that's probably what happened. And then he had uh, some opportunities to direct and he's done great. I mean, he's probably made more money directing than he ever did. Oh, for sure. I mean, pretty much every single TV show I'm looking at this list here that is anyone's favorites. He did Newhart, yeah, right? Yeah, he, he did it. He directed him. He did Kirby Enthusiasm and Friends and he directed Robin Williams Stand Up, the Robin Williams Weapons of Destruction Weeds, Law and Order. I mean, so he's yeah. done them all. The Academy Awards. Oh, actually, I guess he's a producer on that. But yeah, he's done a lot, a lot, a lot of behind the scenes stuff. And, well, there's, and there's one bit he did where he was talking, I think, with James Kahn on one of his shows about he was going to be up for, um, what film was that with Dustin Hoffman? Uh, oh, the, the graduate. graduate. The Graduate. Yes. Oh, that's a famous story. Yeah. yeah. He was. He was. He went to audition, or his agent said, "Nah, then I. You know, you're a short Jewish guy. Yeah. They're not looking for. They look for a tall, good-looking guy. I wouldn't go." And his agent said, "Don't go." His agent <laughs> told him he had it. He was on his way to the audition. He was going, and the agent. I think it's actually a sub agent of his real agent. I don't remember how the story went, but he oh, was a on sub-agent. his way. He was on his way to audition with Mike Nichols for The Graduate. Mike Nichols, wow. yes. Uh, yes, The Graduate, the classic film of all time. About imagine that. And yeah. he was on his way, and the agent says, where are you going? Well, I'm going to you know, audition for The Graduate. And like you said, Tom, they're not looking for your type. So then who do they cast? Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, exactly. His type. The same yeah. type. Uh-huh. The same type. But, you know, maybe that would have been, I don't know if his agent was Irving Arthur. He mentions him a lot, but, yeah. but he, you know, might have had a couple agents. But, yeah, it's like, imagine that going, wait a minute, that's the same guy. Years later, you're like, I could have had a whole different career in, you know, but he's done just fine. We don't need to worry about David Steinberg. Well, that's good to know. I won't worry about him then. <laughs> and he is a writer. He still is writing. You know, Kelly, you were talking about how in Second City, they don't write anything. You know, don't you, know, you get up mm-hmm. on the stage, work it out and refine it on the stage. Uh, with, so you have feedback, right? I mean, then, you know, you're getting that sort of response. But I think he went on to write. And it's interesting to me, you know, we always talk about techniques and how people do their comedy. I always find that kind of interesting, like how uh, George Carlin was a, was a writer. Woody Allen wrote the bits. Um, and some guys don't go away from that. They're like, I wrote it. This is it. I might tweak it. But, um, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, you go you back know, like into the history of comedy. Because, you know, really, it wasn't until, oh, gosh, I can't think of the earlier comics, 1950s, 60s, the comics started writing for themselves. You know, they used to always have joke writers, just like musicians had Tin Pan Alley. They go and pick up a song and sing it. And the comedians, the Borscht Belt and the Catskills, all these guys, they all did the same acts. They all had the same writers, and people were joke writers. But then you got along people like, like Lenny Bruce and Mort Saul, some of those early groundbreaking comics. And they started writing their own material. So yeah, David Steinberg. Matter of fact, I think David Steinberg wrote uh, his autobiography. And I think he wrote it in like, 
I could be wrong about this, but it's like almost like biblical verse. The, it's called, I think it's called the Book of David. Right? Yes. So okay, yeah, that makes sense, man. He's he's you know he's uh, he's got a religious vibe to him. You know? Well, he, yeah. Again, studying theology in Israel, and your dad's a rabbi. He was brought up, and that's he. I I think I saw an interview with him about the book, not about comedy. They were talking to him about his book. Yeah. And they, were, they were reading segments. It was like out of the Bible kind of thing, but it was funny. It was very funny. He never funny. changed his, his life name, story. Which, is, which is wild, right? Oh, yeah. Back then, back then, someone would have said, oh, Steinberg, you got to lose he that. Yeah, change with, that. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Go with David Stenner. David Stenner, something. That's another thing. He, he, said, he, he said the Jewish comics at that time were all changing their names to like uh, Kingdom, kind of like, like Alan Bishop. King. Yeah. Joey Bishop. Mm-hmm. They were using those names. Yeah, man. And someone once told him he had to change his name to make it show business. And I, I think the reason was he, he didn't want to do this because if he did make it big, he wanted the people to know it was him. Like his second grade teacher, you know, oh, he wanted them to know it was it him. It was him. But, you know, when he would perform in Las Vegas, like, and he said the name would be on the sign and everyone thought, what's, what's somebody's accountant? Yeah, this singer like Tom Jones with his accountant. But, you know, that is so important you brought that up, Tom, because yes, because, you know, the, the Jewish comedians, and things, it was a whole different era back then. Yeah. So he yeah. stayed to it, who he was. I think he made one joke once where he said, you know, I can change my name. These guys change their names, but then they have kids and they're, they have huge Jewish noses. And I can say that because I'm Greek, okay? <laughs> and I've got a big Greek nose. I've noticed in the past, because you're Greek, you could pretty much say anything you want. Isn't yeah, that it? Seems it's to be I, the rules. I, yeah. I think it is. Do you guys want to be Greek? Come on, be Greek. <laughs> yeah. David Steinberg. I would say if David Steinberg, I mean, obviously his comedy is itself is is very important in, in the history of comedy, but... Um, Really, his his TV work. I mean, there's there's not a thing on current TV that isn't somehow influenced by something he has done. Just looking at all all the projects that he has mm-hmm. been involved with as a director or writer or producer. So, I mean, he's really really shaped television as we know it, and also comedy very much so as well. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell our listeners if you want to go on YouTube or something, check out David Steinberg. Check out his sketch work. Uh, if you're into like the old like slapstick, and we talk about Groucho Marx and Charlie Chaplin, but done in an updated, well, 70s version. Uh, I mean, I really have found it laugh out loud funny. Maybe that's my style. I don't know. But yeah, uh, yeah check out David Steinberg because it really is, really is entertaining. Very good. He's very Kids can learn guy. something from him. You can always That's learn sure. something. Just like I always hope you can learn something from listening to this wonderful podcast we're doing. And I oh, learned gosh. something from all of you today, so. <sighs> yeah, me too. I learned I want to be Greek. <laughs> yep. Thanks. That's the main takeaway, everyone. <laughs> and, you know, and guys, and I, what did I learn? I learned nothing about Canada. Thank you nothing very much. About nothing about Canada. <laughs> there you go. We're going to send you over a map and you could study and we'll come back and we'll do Thanks, something guys. on Second City sometime, but you could point out everything. All right. We're going to wind this thing up. So I'm going to say goodbye to Kelly Th- Oh, goodbye, goodbye. Kelly. It was always a pleasure. And Tom McGallis. Representing the Greeks. Yeah, you represented, (laughs) that's for sure today, my friend. Okay, and I'm Dave Schwenson. I'm not Greek, but, you know, maybe I will be for the next episode. You have to tune in and find out. I can baptize you. (laughs) I'm staying away. You've been listening to What's So Funny. Until we come back again next time, keep laughing. What's So Funny is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Special thanks to executive producers Joan Andrews and Michael DeLoya, producer Sarah Wilgroup, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. Hold up. 
I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, I think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.